Hey, good morning. I just want to welcome you to Keep the Promise. We're so glad that you joined us today online, and I'm especially glad that all of you guys are here today. But most importantly, um, the reason that I'm here is that I love Jesus as my Lord and personal Savior. Make it really clear. Anything you hear from me that doesn't directly relate or correspond with what he says, go with him. All right? I like to always be clear about that because there's so many ways to get lost, and I do my best. But I just want to make sure that everybody knows the reason that we are here and why we are all here today is we acknowledge that we need Jesus. Amen. And, and in our need for Jesus, we need to know more about him. We need to know how he, he intersects with our lives and that we don't live independent of him. We walk through this life with him. And so anyway, I'm glad you all are here today. It, there's a reason you're watching. There's a reason. And I, and I believe God has something special for you, so hold on. So for me today, I, I just thought I'd say, this is my normal attire for work. Because I work backstage, I do a lot of uh, traveling with a lot of crazy people that if I said who they are, you would know exactly who they are, and they would probably not be here on a Sunday, okay? And so my job when I'm working is to blend in. But in the blending in, in my heart, you have to stand out. So uh, as the show goes on and things are backstage and stuff is rolling, you know, you wear black so nobody sees you as you're frantically plugging in the thing that came undone or, or fixing the thing that's no longer working or, or the camera that's not capturing the right angle. You don't want to disrupt the crowd's impression of what's going on. But what I've found as I've dealt with all these people is that we, as a, just basics, we don't speak the same language in many ways. And I'm talking just us and, and people in general or believers or unbelievers, but just basic language. Like uh, last week I was at work and I'm sitting, we're having lunch together with three or four people who are, are brilliant. I, I, I don't know them that well, but we got in a conversation about spirituality, ironically enough. And, uh, and so as I'm listening to them go around the table, <clears throat> I have this tendency, I don't need to be the first one to speak. I really don't. I don't mind telling a good joke or, or laughing or talking. I'm not, I'm not being antisocial, but I, you learn more when they're not sure where you're coming from. And so as I hear them talking about God, 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 I'm thinking to myself, your first, the minute I tell you I believe in God, your natural assumption is that I'm talking about Jesus, the only living Savior, the only one that rose from the dead, only one, right? So our assumption is that's who we're talking about. So I just something said, shh. I said, all right, let me wait. And next thing you know, we're talking about Mother Earth. We're talking about how, how if you do this, then you get that. If you act this way, you'll get this. If you do this and that and the other thing, if you wear a certain thing, if you have your crystal on, and then I'm realizing we're not speaking the same language at all. So today, as I began to look at the things that we say and the things that we think, and we think everybody says and thinks the same way, that there are lots of things. And one thing that I, I kind of want to try to work to the bottom of today is that you can believe something and not follow. That's a, that sounds like a stretch, but I'll get there. Bear with me. And then when you follow something, do you really know what follow means? And do you really know who you follow? So in my world of television, we always start with an intro. So let's roll the beautiful bean footage, as they say in the commercial. All right, follow. That's a complicated word, I realized. In this world of we tweets and posts and, and pictures and images and snaps, as we are constantly communicating with everybody with the stories both true and untrue, we're followers at an all-time high. We follow everything. 
The next thing you know, you look and you're looking at blogs and you're reading stories and you're looking at memes and silly things. You're hearing stories from friends that you're not sure are true, but you're passing on anyway. You follow celebrities because it seems like it's cool. You want to be closer. People will do anything to be followed. And then when Jesus comes into the picture and his message is a call to follow, do we know what follow means? How do we react to that? Isn't that a greater call than a thumbs up or a thumbs down? How do we follow Jesus? How is that different? Well, the Bible teaches us we all follow someone. And I'll go further and say we follow someone every day. And the identity of that someone affects how we follow, who's calling us and what we do. So we learn that following Jesus, it requires something more. It's more than a campaign of likes and subscribers, of thumbs up and thumbs down, of memes and emojis. It's more than liking a page or joining a group. Following Jesus changes things. It's a lifelong journey. It's not a momentary decision. It leads to peace and righteousness and true and lasting joy. It leads to life eternal. There is a bigger picture, but who do you follow? So that's the, that's the, uh, the Angela version of what we're doing today. <clears throat> so the question really is, who do you follow? And how do you determine who you follow? Well, who you follow is who are you listening to? There was a, an old story in Michael when it talked about, be careful who you listen to, as he was admonished. He was being told, look, who you're listening to the most is affecting how you're thinking, and it's affecting your heart, and it's affecting your decisions. So you got to be careful. Who do you follow? You're always following someone. And if the voice that you hear, it's kind of like this morning, you know, it's been, a, it's been one of those weeks. You ever have one of those weeks when everything just kind of aches? You just feel like, woo, and I'm thinking, please, Lord, don't let me be getting nothing. And, you know, all those things are going on. And, and it's just, it's a hectic week. And I had somebody tell me, and they're like, look, you know, the church is not going to fall apart if you just call them tell them you can't do it. I'm acutely aware God goes on. I'm acutely aware y'all will keep doing your thing whether I'm standing here or not. But I know in my heart, that's who I follow. I got to put a who I follow first. I got to do everything I can to press through and say, okay, look, your word says, call on me and I'll answer you. Well, I'm calling you right now because my elbows ache. That sounds ridiculous, but it's the truth. He will take care of all of your needs. Who are you listening to? The identity of the one calling us determines how we follow, the one calling you. Is it, is it that person that speaks into your life on a daily basis who says, well, I don't know, maybe, are they speaking doubt? Do they not line up with how you feel about things? How you feel, if God has told you this, and someone says that, and they say that, 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 that 50 times, which one are you going with? Is it the one you hear from the most, or the one you trust the most? I know that sounds like it's a stretch, but, but bear with me. It really has impact. How many of us today, I can think back to moments. I've told you this story before where in high school, I can remember a guidance counselor, and I don't honestly remember their name, which is probably a good thing, and, um, but I can remember her saying, look, sports or college, pick one. Today, that sounds ridiculous because we know it all kind of goes together. But then it was, look, you got to pick. And I could have listened to that, but thank God I didn't because I knew in my heart God had something for me to go do. But it takes a stick to to go with what you know instead of going with what you're hearing every day. So now we're going to get into the 
How do we follow? Well, that word follow, I realized, all of a sudden got really complicated. Because when you look, we follow just about everything. It's the truth. When you, uh, you can look up snails, and there are great followers of snails. I mean, Nicholas and I were looking up something, and, and it was this giant snail in Florida that was causing all this havoc, and it made the Discovery Channel. These are things I don't even realize are out there, but when I looked, it's over a million people are somehow following a snail I didn't even know existed. <laughs> so you know me. I gotta, we're going to go to Google. It's like going to Oz, right? You never know what you're going to get. It's Forrest Gump meets Wizard of the Oz. Wizard of Oz is Google. So I decided to search. I was just really curious. Who are people following? Okay. I just picked the top 25. But the one person who is speaking to more people, just human being, I'm not talking God, human being every day, at 108 million followers, Katy Perry is topping the list. Every day she's tweeting and posting and letting you know, this is how I feel about that, and because you like me, you should feel that way too. You better know who you're listening to. When you start looking into some of these people and realize what's going on in their lives, whether they believe in God or not, it affects whether you believe their opinion or not. It's nothing more comical to me to see a, uh, somebody from Hollywood telling me politically what to think or not think. You pretend for a living. I've watched it. Okay, great, have your opinion. But does somehow you being really good at, at playing a role make you an effective voice in my life? I'm gonna say no. And do you get to tell me whether this is true or not? I'm gonna say no. So I'm really less worried about what you're offended by the name of Jesus than I worried about me calling on the name of Jesus, him hearing me, saving me, and taking me into eternity. That is more my concern than whether any of these people believe it or not. But on a daily basis, they reach us on our phones, they reach us on our Facebook, they reach us in our email. We get junk and dots and dashes and tweets and squiggles and swirls and emojis all telling us what we should think. So now, I need to know if followers are, if we're following all of those people or people are following all of those people and they're somehow garnering all these people to follow them, do they, do they have a theology? Is there a message? Is there a lifelong goal out of all that following? Or is it simply just to sell something? I don't know. See, when Jesus talks about followers, he's talking about changing your life. He's talking about walking with you, not just going ahead and saying this is what you should do. So when I started to look up what do followers look like, and I'm talking about the followers, that 108 million just in that one little line there. What do they look like? I began to realize it's really data. Followers really means data. It means how many people said yes or no, how many people liked you, how many people gave you an emoji, how many people gave you a smiley. Then there are fake followers, the people that pretend to follow. And then there are the mean followers, the people that just want to say hateful things and just to have an opinion that they think everyone will hear. But, but there's no true relationship. See, following, when you're talking about Jesus following, is relationship. Following, when you're talking about this nonsense, isn't relationship. It's the illusion of a relationship that's surrounded by a momentary opinion. And then I realized 
To get followers, you got to do dumb stuff. I was absolutely astounded when Nicholas came home and said, Mom, there's this thing going around where people are eating Tide Pods. So I looked it up. I want to know what in the world's going on with people eating detergent. Back in my day, soap went in, meant something bad had come out, so there was a reason. It wasn't entertainment. And then I realized as I read some interviews with some of these people, it was, I wanted the followers. More than a million people have seen my website. More than 100,000 followers. One girl in Atlanta said, I now have 600,000 friends. They're not your friends, honey. They're not your friends. There are people who will laugh at you and, and instead of with you. There are people who will abandon you the minute you're, you're revealed as foolish. They're not your friends. They're not your friends. So then when we talk about what a friend I have in Jesus, do you see how that's even been diminished to nothing? Because friend, all it means is click and heaven forbid you upset the friend online because then it's a clicker and they're not your friend anymore. Right? Jesus doesn't have the unfriend button. All right? You will always have a friend in Jesus. But then when I looked at this and saw how silly people had to act just to get followers, just to somehow be popular, wow, I am glad. Let me clear it up right now. Everybody listening, Jesus does not require you to eat a Tide Pod. <laughs> So what do Jesus followers look like? Now, in my mind, I'm going with the people that were sitting at the table, the ones who somehow have found the sun and the moon and the earth, and the crystal is somehow making them feel better, and if they do the Himalayan salt three times a day and you dance upside down, something's going to feel better. All that stuff, right, is going on. It's all been combined together in their own theological way of doing things. So I wanted to know if... If you were in that place and you wanted to know, well, what is Jesus like? What are Jesus' followers like? You're somehow, you're sitting at home and you've Googled things and you've read things and you're saying to yourself, I, I just need to know, this is what comes up. So you say, okay, well, Angela, it's the disciples, it's, it's Jesus, okay? Then I started thinking, well, maybe I just Googled it wrong. What do Jesus' followers look like? Maybe they thought I meant back then. So I said, okay, what do Jesus' followers look like today? It should be, my expectations were, happy people at church, people going to picnics, people doing stuff, people helping stuff, people delivering stuff to the fire department. That's what I'm expecting to see in my head. No, we're still here. We're here. And now it's just the evolution of if you use somehow facial recognition, how would you be able to recognize Jesus today? All this ethereal nonsense that pops to the top speculating on what he would look like if he lived today. It is not a depiction of us as believers. Somehow in our messaging, we have fallen short. Because really, I want to see this. Now granted, life is hard. It's not always easy. But there are those moments when, woohoo, thank you, Jesus, something good has happened. We don't tell those stories. We're really good at, well, this happened and that happened and this terrible and this and that and blah, 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 right? But then when we get to the woohoo moment, we'll tell a couple people, but we tone it now. We're not tweeting, we're not Facebooking. And I realize that, look, I don't tweet or Facebook. Let me be really clear with you, and there's a good reason for that. Right? If you love me, if you know me, you're going to know what's going on in my life, whether I'm telling you on Facebook or not. I don't know, life's too complicated. But anyway, the whoopity-doo, I expect to see some of that. Or, or maybe, okay, maybe that's unrealistic. How about just this? Just some happy people. 
How about just some younger people not eating Tide Pods, happy? Could I see a couple of those images? No. It's always showing me something that's an older reference. It's not acknowledging that Jesus is alive today, in the lives of us today. So then I thought, okay, let's go back to the Wizard of Oz. Let's go back to Google. Google, how do I follow Jesus? I see lots of pretty pictures. I see lots of pretty memes. I see things that say, I have decided to follow Jesus. I see all sorts of following in a line. I see this one down here where everyone else goes this way, but you're all by yourself. Right? I make it really clear, when you go to follow Jesus, you're not isolated or alone. That is an illusion. And then, out of all of this, somehow I gravitated to this one right here. Why should I follow Jesus? Can I just say I believe in him? There you go. So when I hear people complaining, well, yeah, I, I believed in Jesus, but it just didn't work out for me. I think to myself, what? How is that possible that the God of the universe somehow wasn't enough for you? And then I realize this is what's going on. The difference between follow and believe. I believe Jesus is my Lord and personal Savior. I believe Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead. The tomb was open, rolled away. Which I laugh, you know, sometimes when I think about if the, if the tomb were today. I kind of got thinking about it when I was watching all those pictures of what Jesus would look like today if he were here. Can you imagine some of the news places covering that? Well, we've arrived at the tomb. The tomb is empty. There is speculation that some of his followers have stolen the body. We've tried to interview the guards, but they have, have run away, and we are fairly certain there'll be an independent counsel into their dereliction of duty. There would be some type of skew away from the fact that it's empty. We can't find him. And then in the middle of the investigation, he ascends. <laughs> that would be awesome to watch. We found him. But the belief part and the follow part are really different. You can believe in Jesus, but if Jesus says, cast your cares on me, pray in my name, the authority that I've given my disciples, I've also given to you. If you never exercise that, you're not following. You say, well, look, I'm just covering my bases. I have a friend, he was like, well, you know, I, I, I believe in Jesus. You know, I don't know about this whole eternity thing. You know, what if I'm wrong? Well, if you're wrong your way, you're going to hell. If I'm wrong my way, I'm still going to heaven. They, they want to split these hairs and make you feel like there is something dramatically different. But that it's okay, you just, you kind of wear the cross. But you don't want to live the life. So it's time to clarify a few things. Following Jesus is not just believing. So, belief. You know me, I like to look up words, I like to know the meanings of things, all right? So, here we go. All right, so, belief. It's the acceptance that a statement is true and that something exists. Something that someone is true and real, it's a firmly held opinion or conviction. It's a principle, a tenet, a doctrine, a teaching. It's acknowledging something is true. 
is a belief. Now, follow I found really interesting. It's one of the few words in all these years of Googling definitions that took almost three pages to tell you all its meanings. So when you follow, you, you go or come after a person, you move or travel behind. Uh, it's an, an observance, it's an ability to, to observe and monitor someone, to, to go along with on a path or a route, to come after time in order to, to Avoid the consequence by following. It's a logical sequence, and, and it goes on and on, talking about being in order, being in line, following being something that you trust that you are going after. And it continued. It's to follow, you can conform to, you can act like, using the lead as an example. That's who Jesus is meant to be for us when he says, follow me. He's the lead to be the example. Far greater things than I have done, you will also do. He was being an example. He was being the lead. Understanding the course of action. That's following. So follow and belief. There's something really important right there. It's not that they're both six letters or any of that nonsense or the umlauts and the squiggle wiggles. It's right here. You go from the identification Person, place, or thing, noun, to action of the verb. You go from belief to follow. You go from I identify, I understand, I acknowledge, I, I trust you, I give my life to you, I accept you, Jesus. Now what? Action. It's time to do something. Can, let me make it really clear. You do not have to earn your salvation. You do not have to do anything to accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior other than acknowledge him and that he loves you right on that spot. But what I'm talking about is life more abundant. It said, did you come to have life or come have life more abundantly? And I'll tell you what, when you are sitting alone by yourself, kind of doing your own thing, just going, yes, Lord, I believe in you, and God stirs your heart, hey, bring that person a carton of eggs, and you're like, Lord, that makes no sense, I'm sure they have eggs. You argue with them a minute, but then you shut up long enough to get the $1.49 eggs, and you take them over to their house, and they're going, oh my gosh, I really needed those. You felt foolish right up until the reaction. And now you've got a verb. You followed. And now all of a sudden, you know what happens when you listen and follow and you do that reaction? And even if he doesn't react at all, there is this satisfaction that comes out of knowing I listened, that my, thought, my belief was a relationship, and the relationship was speaking to me. Lord, God was speaking to me. I was able to hear, and I was able to follow. It gave me some steps to take. So the word follow is a powerful word in the vocabulary of Jesus. He said it to Philip, follow me. He said it to Levi, follow me. Peter and Andrew, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Matthew, follow me. Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Over and over, we are encouraged to follow Jesus. This scripture right here freaks people out. Because when he says, take up your cross and follow me, they start to worry about what exactly, what kind of commitment are we in here? All right? What Jesus was saying at the time, remember, the cross was not a symbol of salvation until Jesus rose. 
the cross prior to Jesus hanging on it was the electric chair, in essence, of the period. It was the way they take you out when they're tired of you being there. So when he's saying, will you take up your cross and follow me, what he's asking is, if you accept me and you believe in me, then when you believe in me, don't cower. When you're asked to not believe anymore, don't do it. Are you going to be lukewarm? Are you going to be one of those folks that says, yes, Lord, I believe in you, and now you're sitting at a bunch of people, or I'm sitting at a table with three other people who don't believe in Jesus. Does that mean that I don't say I do? No. I am not worried one bit about being embarrassed about my faith. Because I know he's got my back. So you have to, it's asked, there's, a, there's an element of courage being asked right here. When you take up your cross, he's saying, look, I need you to know the seriousness of what you're asking for. Understand the seriousness of this relationship. That I've got you. That God, the God of the heavens and the earth, loves you. Don't give that away easily. Did I freak you out? Y'all are all looking at me a little. So how is following Jesus different? Faith is more than believing. Faith is more than thinking or talking or having convictions about Jesus. Faith is action. Faith is following. It's movement. It's activity. Faith is something you do. In fact, the Bible says in James 2.14, if people say they have faith and do nothing... Their faith is worth nothing. So if I have the power to pray for the sick because Jesus is my Lord and personal Savior, look, I'm not saying I'm anything special. I'm saying he is. But if I have through the name of Jesus, then why don't I show up and do it? Because we'll never know the full extent of his power unless we are willing to be his hands and feet and exercise it in our own lives. Sometimes you got to take a risk. Praying for the sick is one of the hardest ones when I, when I do things as a chaplain or just as Angela, when I have to go and do things. That's one of the hardest ones because you want to pray with that spirit that says, God, your will be done. But God, I'm asking for a miracle. I'm going to step out and I'm going to ask you for the big stuff. I'm not sitting back here going, well, God, I'm, I'm, worried, I'm, wrong. I'm worried I might be wrong. No, God, if it is your will, completely heal, touch, and deliver them right now in the name of Jesus. It is up to him to do whatever it is is his will. But at no point in the scripture does it say, be careful what you pray for. That's something we say. Especially when we're talking about patience. We say, woo, don't pray for that. But that authority, that power that God has given you in the name of Jesus to pray for things, I think I've told you this story before where these, these missionaries were running through Afghanistan. This was just before the Gulf War. They were being chased. Stuff was going to happen. They were at the base of a mountain, and they were going to have to climb over the mountain. And the storm rolled in, so they all hunkered down at the base of the mountain, and they started to pray, God, we don't know what to do. God, but, and the lady prayed, but God, you said a mustard seed of faith can move a mountain. I got that much. And I brought in one day some mustard seeds. Y'all saw them. They're teeny, weeny, weeny. They're nothing. A grain of sand is the size of a mustard seed. And the storm happened. And then all of a sudden there was an earthquake. And their initial thought was, oh man, really? A storm and an earthquake? 
and the storm cleared, and the sun began to come up, and the mountain they were going to have to cross over had split in half. And they were able to exit quickly right through the middle. That's God doing things that we dare to ask for. So I'm daring you right now, exercise your faith. Use the power in the name of Jesus to say, God, these are the things that are going on in my life. In Jesus' name, I speak peace over them. And see what happens. So now we're on to the bucket. There is a deeper message to this story, but you'll get there. You'll tolerate me and all my props, right? right. So I'd already kind of put Thomas on the hook for this because I know he's a good sport and I don't want to freak anybody else out, so... All right, so, <clears throat> I'm a, yeah, I'm going to make it worth your while, man, even, because we're motivated people, right? One finger. <clears throat> Don't use anything else, just your finger. Get that block onto your finger and put it in the bucket. Fifty bucks if you can get it in the bucket. Yeah. See? You keep trying, try, here, I'll put it here, <coughs> try it again. Yeah, try it again. Now this is, this is just, we believe in Jesus as Lord and personal Savior. We've accepted that part. This is life. Life, here, keep going, man, pick them up, try it again. Life is complicated. Some, most days, is a little more than we can handle. We need that grace of God. Do you remember, you keep trying, man, while we're working on this. 50 bucks is in the bucket. And, uh, <laughs> and do you remember... That says that, you remember the old joke where the lady's on the roof and she's crying out, Lord, save me, the tide's coming up, save me. And, and the guy with a rowboat comes by and he says, I'm here, let me help you. And she said, no, 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 I'm asking, I'm asking the Lord to save me. And the water's coming up. And next thing you know, a powerboat comes. You keep going, man, you're doing good. Um, a powerboat, 50 bucks is motivational. Do you see that, right? Um, um, the powerboat goes by, and the water's getting higher. It's almost to the roof's edge. And she says, no, 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 I was praying. God's going to save me. And then the helicopter comes over. And he said, I'm here to get you. No, I'm waiting for God to save me. Well, she drowns, gets to heaven, and she says, God, why didn't you save me? He said, I sent a rowboat. I sent a powerboat. I sent a helicopter. Come on. Do you see God moving in your life? Well, this is... No! I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Don't count. Do it again. Do it again. See, I knew y'all weren't listening. He was doing something. He was doing something. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, no, but look. Look, you're using this. That's called cheating. That's No, you're cheating. Cheating. That's called cheating, man. That's called the other part of the hand. That's the thumb. This is thumb. That's thumb. All right, you stand right there. Here's my point. My life is complicated, just like y'all's. I'm dealing with, you y'all know, parents, and we're all children and stuff. Your life is complicated. You got your thing. I'm over here trying to do my thing. You're trying to do your thing, right? Jesus said, believe in him. And then he said, follow me. I see you struggling. It's really funny. I was talking to somebody this week, and they said, oh, I've got all this going on. I said, how can I help you? They said, oh, you've got too much going on. I said, let me tell you something. When things are chaotic in my own life, dealing with my own stuff is hard. But somehow coming to your house to help you is easy. That burden is light. This one over here is heavy. But that one over there somehow is light. Because it's not mine. I don't own it. I'm just there to help. Does that, does that make any sense? So if we're following, I see you struggling, and I bring my stuff. You come from this side. I bring my stuff to your stuff. And we say, look, man, we got to get this over with. Woo! 
So no matter how full your bucket is, no matter how much stuff you've got going on, pay attention. When God brings someone to your side to help you, don't resist that. That's the helicopter, the boat, the rowboat. Don't be too proud to take help. Don't, don't say, well, no, I've been praying about it. God's going to take care of it. Maybe God's taking care of it through a friend. Maybe God's taking care of it through somebody else. Maybe God's taking care of it by sending you what you need. So instead of questioning how it got there or the motives of the giver, just imagine if the God that created the heavens and the earth loves you enough to whisper in the ear of someone you don't even know to say, go help. Can you receive it? Because that's where you go from belief to follow. And then you have to be sensitive to when God is telling you, look, I know you've you got your own burden. I know you've got stuff falling off the table everywhere. But I need you to do this for that one. That exercise in following not only lifts their burden, but did you notice it lifted mine too? It helps you to see something good can happen. I looked up some things, and I wanted to see, what do people do in response to doubt? This came out in uh, June of last year, Barna, George Barna. And it said, when you're experiencing spiritual doubt, or when, when things just aren't going quite right, when you're just wondering, where is God? What are the things that you do? 45% of them, right off the top, stop going to church. Because I'm having a bad time, my burdens are heavy, my stuff's falling off the table, so I'm going to separate myself from people who would actually be willing to help me first, right off the bat. Then I'm going to go into, I'm not going to read my Bible anymore because I just don't get why nothing good is happening. And then I stop praying, not me, but these people. And then they stop talking with their friends and their family about faith in general at all. They just step away. And then there was 39% that, in the response to doubt, didn't do any of that stuff. There was just something else that they did in response to doubt. And that's where you get into alcohol, drugs, all sorts of other things. But these four right here, this is the following component of your faith. You believe Jesus loves you. You went to church. And now all of a sudden, belief and follow, there's this huge chasm, and in that chasm is need. And right at your point of need, isn't it just like, and, and we give the devil credit for stuff he does not deserve, but isn't it just like the devil to want to separate you from the very people who would be willing to help you? To take you away from your willingness or even wanting for you to somehow just get this, ah, I don't even want to read anymore. You've stepped away from the following, which ultimately is going to lead you to not believing or even want to take, talk about anything anymore. People need to know they matter. You need to know you matter. Every one of you needs to know that Jesus knows you by name. I remember as a child, my mom used to say, he knows every hair on your head. And I'm going to go one step further. There's one in Psalms that says, every tear you have cried, he has placed in a bottle. So if he's going to take account for every single tear that you've cried over any hurt in your life, doesn't that attest to how much he intimately cares for you, personally cares for you. It means he noticed every single one of them. Not one fell from your cheek that he did not capture. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he gained his sight and began to follow him on the road. 
as I began to look at people who followed, the one that I really enjoy the most, the story, is the blind man. Because having written so many stories about that particular moment in time for television, it's really interesting to know that that, that blind man was sitting in the middle of that crowd. He sits there every day. The crowd was gathering. He was listening more than he was looking, obviously, so he was hearing stuff. And he was hearing the crowd change. He was hearing an excitement. But what was really important is in all that hearing and in that moment, the minute he got his sight, he began to follow him. It wasn't, let me go clean up, let me wash the mud off my face, I got some stuff to do, let me let people know where I'm at, let me get my junk I left behind. It followed. That was his name, by the way. Some call it Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus. I call him blind guy, okay? All right? So before the blind guy met Jesus, he was sitting beside the road just like he did every day. And after he received his sight from Jesus, it says in Mark, he began to follow him on the road. He started to move. There wasn't a, hallelujah, let me just, okay, I'm basking in his presence. And I'm going to stand here and he's going to walk off. No, he was chasing behind him. Which of these two phrases best describes your life? Are you sitting beside the road or are you following Jesus on the road? And you say, well, wait a minute, Angela, that's kind of harsh. No, if you have accepted Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, are you still sitting in the same spot you sat in, and not physically, but here and here, as you did the day you first believed? Are the same challenges the same challenges? Are the same needs the same needs? Have you exercised any of the authority that has been given to you while you were sitting there? Are you following Jesus on the road? Are you moving along behind him? Do you, do you listen to his voice? Do you wait every day to see? I've told you more than once, you know, where you're sitting at a stoplight and you get that really creepy feeling, something that says, stop. And then somebody runs the light. I mean, that's a following moment because you listened. You were willing to listen. Which do you think is more fulfilling? Is there more joy and more meaning and more satisfaction in sitting by the road or following? Now, maybe I need to, to recap the story of what happened. So the blind guy is sitting on the side of the road. He sat there every day. That was kind of his thing, right? People around him got so used to him sitting there that they would just step over him. He was kind of a fixture. He was a beggar, just a fixture. And so as they all gathered to see Jesus coming, the very people who were excited to see Jesus were stepping on the blind guy, telling him, move, get out of the way. And then, now imagine everybody gathered together, it's like a crowd waiting to go on a football game, and in the middle of them is somebody sitting on the ground. Now they're just in the way, the being a nuisance. Now that somebody sitting on the ground is going, Jesus! He's trying to scream over the crowd. And the crowd is like, oh, hush. We're trying to see Jesus. Be quiet. Okay, Jesus! And he stops. Now, did Jesus go get him? You all know the story. Did Jesus go get him? No, he said, come to me. He couldn't see where Jesus was. But now, I want you to imagine, because in my own 
mind's eye and my own faith. I've been to that place where you are just seeking Jesus so much that you want, you will crawl your way through that crowd, get out of the way. Jesus said, come. Um, get out of the way, move. You're on a mission, you're on your knees, you're crawling through the crowd. They're astonished. Wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. I dressed up for this. I'm in the front row, I got here early. And you're calling to the guy back here who's sitting on the ground. I can see the crowd. I can see him thinking, do you know what he smells like? Oh, he's just a crazy guy. He's just calling your name. He's just a crazy guy. He went from crazy to inspiration in a moment. As he crawls up to Jesus. And Jesus, so imagine putting his hands on the side of his face. And he says, oh. And then he reaches into the very dirt that they'd all been standing on, and he trans that mud, that gook that's on the road, he transforms that into that healing moment of here. Let me wipe it all away. Can you imagine that? That in that moment, all of a sudden, he can see. I can see! Can you imagine? If you have a lump or a bruise or a broken something, it's better! And then he didn't think to himself, let me go wash myself off. Let me get the mud off my face. Let, let me get my stuff. Where, where's my blanket? I've been sitting here for, for years. Let me go. He was in a gobsmacked panic of, I'm following that healing. That he, he healed me. I'm going that way. Y'all stepped all over me. You didn't talk to me very much each day. I was just a fixture. I got the crumbs if you felt like it. But now look. The lowest, the meekest, the neediest of all of you, here I am. And God said, yeah, that one right there. And in a moment, his life was changed. And when his life was changed, his next decision is critical. He didn't turn around braggadociously. Look at me, look at me. Let me tweet. Selfie. <laughs> no, it was none of that. It was a sheer focus on, can you imagine the first face you see is the face of your Savior? He never wanted to lose sight of that. That's how you follow. You don't want to lose sight of the Savior. The call of Jesus on our lives, well, it's a call to follow him, to follow him as Lord and personal Savior. We come to him for salvation, and then we follow him with gratitude, sharing his grace with others. Following isn't complicated, but it is purposeful. It doesn't just happen. It is something you do. We come to the foot of the cross to be redeemed and forgiven and restored. And he embraces us with his powerful love and he makes us new again. Make no doubt about that. And then we take up our cross to serve him for the rest of our lives. And remember, when we take up our cross to follow him, what we're saying is, there is nothing that will make me deny you and your love for me. You gotta get there 
in your faith and in your belief. There is no one who will separate me from the love of Jesus. There is no one whose opinion can inundate me on a daily basis, can convince me that Jesus is not my Lord and personal Savior. Standing on that truth. Following Jesus is not boring, it's an adventure. I think we've got this assumption that it's somehow just this pious little trip. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm in some very crazy places in my job, and I have met some really interesting people. (laughs) And that's all Jesus moving in my life. Me going, okay, Lord, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? God will take you some crazy places. They were on their way to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished. They were watching all this stuff going on, and Jesus is saying, far more than I do, you will do in my name. And people are getting healed. Stuff is happening. They are looking around going, wow. They were astonished. And then the people right behind them, walking along behind them, they were afraid. They were trying to figure out how is all this happening, the uncertainty. They hadn't had the cross moment yet. And then Jesus spoke again to the people and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness will have the light of life. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. It says he is the lamp unto your feet and the light unto your path. Path infers journey. It infers movement. And the light to your feet infers focus. Because the rest of the world is full of spotlights. Focus. It is not a fear of standing still, but is a focus on the next step. So we have to get to that point. We used to sing this song when I was at Trinity. We sing it all the time. I have decided to follow Jesus. It's one of my dad's favorites. It is not. I have decided to believe in Jesus. No, there was a a, a mantra of action in that song. You're moving on. You're moving on. Remember, the blind man had no idea that Jesus Christ was going to pass his way that day. To him, it was just another day. That day when he went and sat on the ground with his stuff, he was starting yet another dark, blind day of despair. Jesus could have gone a hundred different ways. Was it an accident? He walked right by him. The same is true in our lives. God gave him an unexpected opportunity and he offered him a fresh start. That moment, fresh start. God is giving you that same opportunity today. Do you need a fresh start someplace in your life? Is there something that needs to be different? Do you need to transition from belief to following? Have you made it more complicated than it really is? It's really quite simple. For me to tell you about it, it was quite complicated when it happened. For, for Jesus to hang on a cross until dead, be taken down, carried off to a tomb, closed up, assumed gone. It's over. Put a guard by the tomb door because we don't want anybody making up stuff. And then the, tomb rolled, the door rolled away. And Jesus came out. And to this day, he is the only living Savior. No one has copied that. 
ever. Make no doubt about it, every other God that you encounter online who claims they're God, Google their tomb. There is one. Buddha's got a tomb. There is a pilgrimage that goes on over in the Middle East. There's all sorts of tombs to go and acknowledge where their savior is currently living or dead. Jesus' tomb, it's empty, still empty. And then he appeared and ascended. And he said, look, if you believe in me, everlasting life is what I'm offering you. Everlasting life, eternity. But in the meanwhile, if you follow me, I'll give you a fresh start. Every day it says you're, you're new every morning. And I'm glad for that, because there are some days when you don't listen very well and you don't follow very good, and you just ask God to please forgive you, help me do better tomorrow, and then the new start begins. So I'm gonna ask you today, who do you follow, really? And you say, well, Angela, I love Jesus. That's great. Who speaks to you more? That's for all of us. Is it the person that's texting you? When you have a need in your life, is your first, first point of contact your knees or is it your telephone? Who is speaking into your life? Allow yourself to hear his voice. Allow him to give you that divine direction that will change everything and that peace that surpasses understanding. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I come to you right now, Lord God, and I thank you for the opportunity to be here today and just tell people about you. I am so grateful for your presence in my life, and I pray, God, that you would help us all know how to follow you. But God, I pray right now for anyone who's listening and says, look, I don't know if I've ever believed. I don't know what I've believed. I, I've, I've dabbled in everything. Well, today is the day to stop the dabble and make a commitment. Today is the day. There is no accident that you're listening right now, no matter where you are. It's no accident. So right now, all you have to say is, Lord Jesus, please help me. Forgive me, Lord God. Help me to hear your voice and know me. Help me, Lord God, to understand that you died on the cross for my sins, that you rose from the dead, and that you love me right now. Help me, God, to hear your voice. Help me, Lord Jesus. God, I accept you. Please come into my heart. Please come into my life. Help me to follow you. Teach me how to follow you. You know, it's the, the humbleness of just asking God to help. He hears your every prayer. He has seen your every tear. He knows your every burden. He says, I make your burdens light. He will lift the heaviness that you feel in your heart and your life. He'll lift it. He'll give you a peace that surpasses understanding. Because we all try to understand everything, but I tell you what, I'd rather have peace that is confounding than the understanding of all the chaos. So if you have prayed that prayer, tell somebody. Send somebody an email. Send somebody something. Let them know. Today is the day things start different. Today is the day, it's a new day for me. Just like the, the blind man on the side of the road, today I see the face of Jesus. And what you should see looking back at you is someone who loves you and cares for you and who has forgiven your every sin 
and is willing to help you with your every need. God, we are grateful for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm going to ask everybody to stand to their feet as we get ready to send you out with a song. Man, did you guys enjoy that? That was a blessing, man. There's a lot of stuff we could take with us and apply in our life, that's for sure. It's always, always, always good to get a good word of God. And I want to encourage anybody that's still listening and watching online, share the message because we want to just get the word out. Now, I'm going to tell you a little something about this song right here. It's called Bless Time 7. That's the last CD that we recorded some time ago. And what that actually means is that we are blessed in the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ seven days a week. Let's praise him. Amen.
Well, we're going to get ready to sign out. I'm going to sign out right from here. And I just want to tell everybody, thank you so much for tuning in, for everybody coming out. I hope you guys had a great time. Uh, please join us next week, same place, same time. We're going to have a great message. Man, be a follower. You know, we did a study some time ago, and it said not a fan. You know, there's people that are fans. They just sit on the sidelines. But we are going to be followers. Angela, thank you so much for the message. And I just uh, ask everybody to continue to keep on praying for the ministry as we pray for you. And uh, we love you and we bless you today. Amen. Followers.